The story is her gift was her life. It's Christmas Day, and a young girl in, Af in an African tribe brought her gift to Christ to the mission chapel. Now, the story said that the missionary had been there for quite some time, and he had really pumped up, given, and he made Christmas Day Christ's birthday. And I know there's lots of folks, you know, we want to split hairs about when he was born and when he wasn't born and all that stuff. I'm just glad he came, praise God. I'm glad he came. And I'm glad there's a day set aside for us to worship him. Amen. Praise God. And so this missionary thought uh, when he looked around at how selfish the people was, you know, poor people have a tendency to be that way because things are hard to come by. And he saw that among that African tribe where God sent him. And so he really pushed a Jesus birthday offering. And uh, uh, the Christmas day came and that young girl in, in that African tribe brought her gift to Christ to the mission chapel. The, the writer said people were very poor and the most liberal among them could only give a handful of fruit or a small coin. This little girl reached into her tattered dress and drew out a silver piece worth more than all that was given. The missionary was amazed. He was worried that she had stolen the coin. And so after the service was over, he made his way to her and had made an opportunity to question her and talk to her about her offering. And she explained to the missionary that in order to give an offering that satisfied her heart, she went to the neighboring planter and sold herself as a slave for next year's season. She brought that money that she sold herself to that farmer to and gave it in that offering. And the title of that uh, illustration that I read was, Her Gift Was Her Life. I'll tell you something, folks. That's what Jesus wants from every single person in this building tonight. He wants us. I've seen men try to impress God with their large amounts of money. I've seen men, you know, they like to pin $100 bills on the preacher sometimes, and I, I, God, God has blessed me, and I, I don't mean that to slander anybody that's give me $100 bills. Hey, I'll take some more tonight if you've got something to give out. Praise God. But, uh, you know, you get the feeling sometimes that some people do that just to be seen. They come with their chest poked out, big smile on their face. Come on here. Again, I'll take it any way you give it to me. I'll put it on the mission field. So just give me what you can. Hallelujah. Praise God. But uh, I, 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 I like it. I like it when it boils right down to you and me giving Jesus everything that we are. Body, soul, mind, and strength. Praise God. Amen. I want to talk to you about that here tonight, if the Lord would help me. You know what that's called, don't you? That's called worship. Worship. Praise God. Amen. Second Samuel, the sixth chapter. Glory to God.
We'll begin reading with verse 12, very familiar story. And it was, it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, uh, Michal or Michelle or ever how you want to say it, Saul's daughter looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in, its pla in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself in the eyes of his servants, uh, in the eyes of the handmaids and of his servants, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. And David said unto Michal, It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord. And I will yet be more vile than thus and will be base in mine own sight and of the maid servants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child unto the day of her death. Praise God. The Bible said that they brought up this ark with gladness from the house of Obed-Edom. Six paces and sacrifice, oxen and fatlings. Six paces and sacrifice. You've heard it by greater men than me. There was a bloody path from the house of Obed-Edom all the way to the gate of the city of Jerusalem. 
And I don't think David just started dancing when he got to the gate. The Bible said he danced before the Lord with all his might. Praise God. And the offerings that David was offering, he was giving God the best that God deserved. But more than that, David was giving God his all in an effort in that moment in time to worship him. Praise God. That's what I want to talk to us about tonight. If the Lord would help me, would you lift your hands and pray and ask the Holy Ghost to help us. Father, I love you. I praise you for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for your grace and love. I thank you, God, for your compassion. All that you've done in our life, God, the way you've helped us. Oh, Lord, that we worship you. God, I give you glory and praise. Thank you, Everything in the service, God, the might of the strength of our strength. God, the Lord, we're not going to do it. Amen. Why don't you lift your hands one more time? Give the Lord a good praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, hallelujah. Glory to God. You can be seated for a little bit if you'd like. I'm not going to be long tonight if the Lord will help me. I was interested in worship, and God led me to this scripture. David, in reality, was indeed a worshiping warrior. There, we could talk about his faults and his failures, but you all know already, Brother Prescott said this morning, talked about preaching to the choir, and really, boy, I really felt like that all week this week. But uh, you, you know the story that, that, that David, the difference in David and Saul was when Saul failed, he refused to soften his heart and tenderize himself before God and go back to God in humble submission and repentance. Instead, he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart, and he did things his way. Can you say amen? But David, through David's failures, when God would talk to him through the prophets, David would humble himself, break himself down, and submit himself into the presence of the Lord. And that's what made David such a great king. Amen. Even by the time Jesus came, generations later, that Hebrew people was looking for the son of David to come reign over them as the Messiah. Can you shout amen, somebody? David was a worshiper of God. I found it in Webster's 1828 Dictionary. He said, worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Praise God. Now, I want you to just let that sink in for just a minute. 
to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Praise God. Those stories that I've read to you all week long about those martyrs, folks that were willing to spend and be spent and gave their life for the cause of the gospel of Christ, they did it because their heart loved him more than they loved anything or anybody else. And their life was lived out as an example of worship. They honored him with extravagant love and extreme submission. Praise God. I would to God that the Lord would help us to understand in this generation that this time that we have left on planet earth is not all about the accumulation of things. It's not about building up big things to leave somebody behind. My boys, uh, their daddy's a wholeness preacher. And I told them, boys, I won't have a whole lot of money to leave you behind. God has blessed us. God has helped us. But I want to leave them something far better than that. I want to leave a legacy of worship. I want to leave a legacy of praise. I want to leave a heritage. Amen. That points them to Calvary's Lamb and shows them the way to please the Lord. Can you lift your hands and praise the Lord? Praise God. Y'all about preached me to death. I about lost my voice this week. Worship in reality is, divine, is defined by the priority we put on God in our lives. What priority does God have in our life? How high is he to us? How important is he to us? And I'm just echoing things that have been said through this entire meeting. I, I knew when God talked to me about this today that that's what I, when you preach a meeting among a bunch of preachers, they ain't going to say everything up before Friday night. Can you say amen, somebody? Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, but, uh, amen, uh, worship in reality is defined by the priority we put on God in our lives. Amen. When men and women uh, take their children to the Boy Scouts uh, on Wednesday night uh, instead of the house of God, uh, they're showing their priority. Uh, when they take them to the Girl Scouts uh, or the soccer match uh, or the baseball field, uh, amen, instead of the house of God, uh, they're showing where their priority is. Uh, I believe I'm among a group of people, uh, amen, who's put the premium uh, on the presence of God. God, uh, and the priority uh, of God in their life, praise God. Uh, amen. That's what true worship really is. True worship is a matter of the heart expressed through a lifestyle of holiness. Can you say amen, somebody? Praise God. In John chapter 4, Jesus met that woman at the well. Amen. That had been married five times. You've had five husbands is what Christ told her. And the one that you're with now 
is not your own. And uh, he was wanting to deal with her soul about the emptiness and the need that she had in her life for eternal life. Amen. But the, she tried to, the, to turn the conversation around on worship. He, she knew Jesus was a Jew and he knew she was a Samaritan and she was amazed that he would even speak to her. Amen. In that time, the Jews considered the Samaritan people low class, mixed breeds. Amen. They didn't want nothing to do with them. They despised them and high-handed them. Amen. But Jesus must needs go through Samaria. I believe that must needs was for that woman that he was going to meet on the curb of that well. He began to talk to her about heavy things, eternal things, and she wanted to focus on worship. He told her, but the hour cometh, and now he is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Can you say amen, somebody? Worship then is about what we are prepared to relinquish, what we're prepared to give up on a personal cost, a personal level, in order to satisfy God. I read about it in the book of Genesis chapter 22 when God spoke to Abraham and he said I want you to take that little boy that I promised you all them years ago and I want you to take him to the top of the mountain that I'm going to show you. Amen. Abraham took Isaac to the top of Mount Moriah and he bound him up and he made an altar and laid him on the rocks and he pulled his knife out. God said I want you to give that boy to me as a sacrifice. Amen. Amen. I don't believe. Amen. That that test was for God to see where Abraham's heart was. It was for Abraham. Amen. To see where his heart was with God. Amen. That's true worship. I'm willing to give you anything that you're asking for me. I'm willing to do anything that you want me to do. I had a man tell me years ago, he said, well, I'm glad that God's called you to Africa and not me. And I, but you know, I, don't, I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck. It just popped out. And a lot of people blame it on the Lord. I'm not going to blame it on the Lord. I, it's probably me. But it just flew out. He said, I, I'm glad God sent you to Africa, not me. I said, me too. I'm glad it's me and not you. Come on, say amen. Come on now. Amen. Hey, when you get where you need to be with God, you'll be willing to do anything that God 
touches your heart to do, you'll be willing to go anywhere that God tells you to go. Come on, help me somebody. I'm telling you, the modern American church is so constrained by fear and doubt and unbelief because they haven't relinquished their life into the keeping hand of God in an act of true worship. Lift your hands and praise him, somebody. Well, I'm just too scared. What if this happens? What if that happens? Oh, God, help me right here. I, I, uh, I don't say a whole lot about Africa. Uh, people's here that has helped us for many years. Sister T gets on me sometimes for not saying a whole lot about it. But I don't want people to think that I'm bragging. And I know that you ain't the kind of people that'll take this that way. My second trip to Cameroon, I had went there in 19, uh, I went there in 1999, and my second trip was in 2001. And on that trip, I was pastoring a church in South Florida. I took a 19-year-old young man with me and a, 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 a 50-something-year-old man that pastored a neighboring church that actually helped me to, to uh, establish what is now African Wholeness Missions. And we had a, all kind of things happen on that second trip. Uh, first thing that happened, we... Uh, are spending the night in London, England. Uh, we, we wanted to fly to London and spend the night, sleep in a hotel, uh, take a hot shower the next morning, get up, go back to the airport, and fly on down to Africa. And I hadn't had the luxury to do that every time, but that's just how I wanted to do it that time. And uh, we was uh, going from the airport to the hotel on the the uh, the tube they call it. It's the it's the subway, and we got all our luggage piled on a cart, and I got a briefcase, and I'm the leader of the pack. I've gathered up everybody's passport. I've got their money, all in that briefcase, and uh, boy, I'm 32 years old. You know, I'm I'm big shot. I got that briefcase. Uh, in that uh, air, air uh, bag buggy, and I push it uh, down to the subway until you couldn't go any further. They had iron rails up. And so we unloaded everything and went down and sat inside of that subway uh, station, uh, sitting on the bench, and uh, I got to wanting a piece of chewing gum. I flew all night long. It was early in the morning, and I knew I had a pack of chewing gum in that briefcase. And we'd done been down there 10 or 15 minutes waiting on the train to come. And I, I said, man, I want me a piece of chewing gum. Boys, y'all want a piece of gum? Yeah. I got to looking for that briefcase. Mr. Big Shot left it in the buggy up there at the rails. Boy, my heart sunk. Six or eight thousand dollars, passports, yellow fever vaccination cards, everything. 
Come on now. Boy, it was early in the morning. I mean early. I took off a running up that tunnel to get out from under that underground. Amen. And when I come out, broke out into the light, I could see that buggy sitting up there. There's a few people I could see their feet walking by, and I could get a glimpse of that briefcase with the sun shining down on it. Boy, I put it in high gear. You hear me? And I grabbed that briefcase. God, God kept it there for me. Come on now. That uh, Several things happened that entire trip. One thing after another. We'd like to have been in several different accidents. But the major thing that took place that I wanted to tell you about, on the way leaving, we'd done been there for 15 days. And on the way back to the airport, we're in an old 1980-something model uh, Mercedes Benz and we're all three of us packed in the back seat. Uh, the pastor I was preaching for, he didn't have a car, but he knew a man that did. Uh, he was a baker that owned a bakery in the capital city and then he befriended and so he was he thought it was a special thing to have Americans riding in the back of that old Mercedes <laughs> boy he's driving we got the windows down and the elbows hanging out the window and going to the airport there in Yonde uh, we go up the last mountain Yonde is surrounded by mountains on every side that's the capital city of Cameroon we're going up the last mountain, and there's a big truck full of gravel, big tandem truck full of gravel way up yonder. And I could see it when it broke loose. Something started happening up there. Cars started going this way and that way. And that something had happened. That truck, something in it had broke loose, and he couldn't get it stopped. And it was coming back down that mountain backwards. And you could tell that man was fighting it with everything that was within him. And people were scrambling. And uh, I sat there in that seat, and I'm scrunched down. I'm looking, and it looked like, uh, like we was a magnet. That thing come right directly toward us. I'm telling you just what happened. The dump truck actually hit our car. The old fat baker, his old diesel Mercedes from the 1980s, black smoke must have rolled out of the back end of that thing. There's a, a long line of people from the Brothers Church that was escorting us to the airport behind us. That old, that old baker, he mashed the gas on that on that diesel car and tried to get out of the way and he jerked it to the left and about the time he did that dump truck amen the back tires on that tandem dump truck slammed in to the side of that Mercedes on my side right on the wheel well but you know what it did them big rubber tires on that dump truck hit just right on that wheel well and just scooched us right out of the way and that dump truck went on down the mountain and rolled over on its side and nobody got hurt I said nobody got hurt I didn't say nobody wasn't scared We're Carolina people. I was scared. You hear me? That young man with me, that 19-year-old boy, he had to, already been on a trip to Jamaica with me. I, I felt like he was a good young man. I was trying to put into him, you know, and 
get him excited about missions. And uh, he, he was on that trip. He was about to get married. And the devil had already been fighting his mind. Several things had happened. And he wasn't going to get back home to have that wedding in a couple of months. He's, he's sitting beside of me. And when that, that I'm, I'm just about in his lap. When all that's over, that young man got out. And his legs give out from under him. It scared him so bad. And he collapsed on the ground and they had to help him. And people started thronging around. Multitudes, it must have been 5,000 people started thronging around. Uh, the pastor's son was just a couple of, a uh, few years old. And uh, he, had, he had wet himself in the car behind us when he saw what happened. There was a soldier with a big uh, machine gun strapped around his chest and a beret on the top of his head, black as charcoal. He come walking up with big tears running down his face saying, glory I do, glory I do, glory I do. That's poor French for glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. He pointed at us and then through my interpreter, he said, you're supposed to be dead men. I saw that happen and God has sent you here for a purpose. Hey Amen. You hear me? Hey Amen. From that trip, it wouldn't be until 2003 until I returned. And I guarantee you, the devil fought me. Hey Amen. For that next year, he fought me tooth and toenail. What if you go over there and get killed? You, your wife and them little boys. He used some of my family members to fight me. Come on now. He used Job's, didn't he? Come on now. He's after worship. That's what he's after. Amen. I'll tell you something. When the devil uh, come after Job, he wasn't after his wealth. He wasn't after his riches. He wasn't after his children. He wasn't after his reputation. He was after Job's worship. That's what he was after. He wanted Job to worship him instead of worshiping God. Come on, say amen. Uh, I'll tell you something, folks. Uh, God helped me through that uh, and let me know uh, I'm in his hand. Uh, and when the end comes, uh, it's going to be on his time. Uh, and it's going to be on his terms. Uh, and it's going to be well uh, from now to then. Praise God. Lift your hands and praise the Lord. Worship. Worship is given God. Your very best. Come on and praise Him, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. The second time Moses went up Mount Sinai, Exodus 34 and 8, the Bible said, And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Praise God. In Exodus 34 and 14, Amen. For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous 
is a jealous God. Woo! Come on, help me, somebody. Whatever we put the most intensity in, that's our God. Whatever we go the most extravagant about, whatever we submit ourselves to the most, that is our God. I wish you'd help me while I preach to you here. Praise God. It could be a bass boat or a tree stand. Amen. It could be a place at the beach or a place in the mountains. Amen. God wants you. He wants your very best. Oh, lift your hands and praise the Lord, will you? Praise God. Hallelujah. Matthew 2, those wise men showed up and said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When they got there, uh, must have been a couple of years before they made it because they saw Mary with the young child. He wasn't a little baby anymore. Wrapped up in swaddling clothes, that's what the shepherds saw. But when the wise men got there, here's a little child. You know what them wise men from the east did? The Bible said in Matthew 2 and 11 that they fell down and worshiped. Woo! Hallelujah! Praise God! One man said, you'll, find, you'll still find wise men at his feet worshiping him, giving him glory, giving him honor, giving him praise. Listen to me. Uh, I appreciate order. God is a God of order. Amen. But I, I really ain't much on protocol. You understand what I'm talking about? It's a shame in our Pentecostal churches where we can print bulletins and tell everything time something's going to happen and something's going to take place. I liked it when that young man got out of his chair a while ago and took off running around the house of God. That spontaneous act of worship. Lord, I'm going to give this to you. I feel you working on my heart. I'm going to give this to you with all that is within me. Don't you think that's the way David danced before the Lord with all his might? Don't you think that's the way David danced before the Lord with everything that was within him. He gave it his all. Somebody praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. David in the text and throughout his life worshiped God in spirit and in truth. The great grandson of Boaz and Ruth had a heart to seek and serve the God of heaven. That's the kind of heart I'm after. That's the heart I want in me. I want the kind of heart that'll say, God, here am I. Send me. Come on, say amen. We've got a great dilemma 
in the American church. Do you know there are states in this United States of America that has zero holiness influence in those states and on the East Coast and on the West Coast and in the middle of America? We've got young preachers stacked 20 deep in some churches waiting on an old man to die so he can take his church and live the good life. Come on, say amen. Uh, amen, do you know uh, there's people in Brazil uh, that have never heard uh, about Jesus, uh, that have never laid eyes uh, on a white man. Uh, come on and shout amen. Uh, I heard some of you talking uh, when the young man went to India uh, and tried to sneak in. Uh, he got fishermen uh, to take him to the island uh, and the natives killed him uh, on the beach. Uh, I said glory to God. That's a young man that was a worshiper. He gave his all for King Jesus. I'm about to fall over. Y'all about to preach me to death. I want you to understand something. God demands our extravagant love and extreme submission. Huh. You get to slapping and fretting about little things that don't matter. You get to pointing fingers at other people that do things you don't do. And you say, what about this and what about that? What about you? What about you? What are you doing for God? Come on, say amen. Oh, God. Amen. There's so much of God yet for me to discover. There's so many things that I've not yet attained. So many places I've not reached in God. I don't have time to worry about what you're doing. I'm trying to keep myself right. I'm trying to keep myself prepared. I'm trying to keep myself straight. Amen. So I can be a worshiper of Almighty God. Lift your hands and praise the Lord, would you? To honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. David never dreamed that we'd be singing his songs of worship thousands of years after he wrote them. That ain't why he wrote them. He wrote them because he was a worshiper. Whew. Praise God. Praise God. I know he was inspired of the Holy Ghost, but there were songs of worship coming from his heart. He meant every, every bit of it. Amen. That very first psalm, he said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Woo! Hallelujah! His delight is in the law of the Lord. God, what else do I need to do? What else do I need to do? 
Words like these poured out of his heart, inspired as the God of heaven breathed on him. That's why the Holy Ghost called him the man after God's own heart. That's what I'm going for. I'm going for his heart. Come on, say amen. I'm going for his heart. Come on here. I don't have to outdo you in exegesis. I don't have to outdo you in theological debate. I'm going after the heart of God. Come on, say amen. I might say ain't and can't and tater and mater, but that's all right. God speaks that language, and I can give him my very best. I can give him all that I am. I can serve him and love him with all that is within me. Stand to your feet and lift your hands and worship the Lord, will you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and worship him. Worship him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know what that 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 tall, lanky young man was doing a while ago? Them boys with their mom and their sister, they was putting forth an effort to worship. They wasn't here to entertain us. They was putting forth an effort to worship him. He means everything. Come on, shout amen. He means everything. I don't mean nothing, but he is everything, praise God. He'll do the worship, praise God. He'll do the praise. If we could visit heaven right now, Isaiah the prophet and John the revelator both testified. You and I would hear them say even thousands of years after John saw it, I guarantee you the seraphim, that word means shining ones, burning ones in the Hebrew. They spend enough time in the presence of God, appraising and worshiping him. His reflection was reflecting off of them. They looked like his on fire. Ain't that what the Bible said? He maketh his angels ministers, uh, uh, his ministers uh, a flame of fire. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm telling you something, folks. God God wants to set us on fire uh, the way he did Moses uh, that second time uh, on the top of the mountain. Uh, Moses got something uh, that second time uh, that he didn't get the first time uh, because that second time uh, his face was uh, shining uh, with the glory uh, and the power uh, of Almighty God. Oh, praise him, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Amen. I, uh, I felt like preaching to us this last night that when we leave this place and go to our respective places, camp meeting don't come but once a year. And it's been said already this week, it is a time of refreshing, 
a time of renewing, a time of refilling. But don't just live from camp meeting to camp meeting. You got to find you a place right by yourself. When the Amalekites took Ziklag, when David was living with the Philistines, hey man, he's in a place he shouldn't have been. You know, for them 16 months, there's not one song recorded that David wrote while he's living over there among the Philistines in Ziklag. Come on here. Hey man, while he was away uh, trying to fight with the enemy, uh, the Amalekites slipped in from the backside and took everything. What they didn't take, they burned it with fire. All that was left of the wives and children was their footprints in the sand going off toward the land of the Malachites. The men wept till they had no more power to weep. They cried until they couldn't cry no more. And then when everybody seen they couldn't cry about it no more, they said, it's David. He's brought us to this place. We're going to stone him. You know what David did? I better do something. I've been hanging out in this place long enough. I need to get a hold of God. Hey, man, come on here. I need to get a hold of God. He called for that ephod. Ain't that what he did? Hey, man, and he went out and he worshiped the Lord. Hey, man, he, the Bible said he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. When I looked up that word in the Hebrew years ago, that word encourage, it means to bring courage to or to fortify oneself. Hey, man, to make some, oneself strong in the Lord. Ain't that what the Bible said? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. When you feel weak, get somewhere with God and start worshiping him. David had a history of this. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. David had a history of this. Before he went out to face Goliath as a teenager, Saul tried to put his own armor on him. David said, I, he put all that stuff on, he's cumbered about. He said, I haven't proved these things. I keep to that that I've proven. He took his sling. Hey, man, he took his staff. He took his bag, his shepherd's bag. Hey, man, he stopped and picked him up five smooth stones. You know what he told Saul? He said, I remember the lion and I remember the bear. When I was watching daddy's flock, hey, man, I, I slew him. I grabbed one of them by the beard and I had my way with him. Come on now. And it was God that gave me the power to do it. I'm a worshiper. I'm a worshiper. And God can take me through anything. I am a worshiper. And God can take me through anything. As long as I give him everything. 